Tathagatarista Pia One, the perfectly enlightened one, Oicha Charana Sampano. He is impeccable in conduct and understanding. Sugato, the accomplished one. Loka Vidu, the knower of the worlds. Anuttaro Purisadamasarati. He trains perfectly those who wish to be trained. Satadeva Manusanang, he is teacher of gods and humans. Buddha Bhagavan, he is awake and holy. Yawimang Lokang Satevakang Samarakang Sabaramakang. In this world, with its gods, demons, and kind spirits, Sāsamanabrahmaniṃ pachaṃ sate manusaṃ sayaṃ abhinya sājikattava pāve desi Its seekers and sages, celestial and human beings, he has by deep insight revealed the truth. Yautama desesi adikalayanang maje kalayanang pariyosana kalayanang. He has pointed out the Dhamma, beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, beautiful in the end. Satang sapiyanjana kevala paripunang parisudang brahmachariyang pakasesi. He has explained the spiritual life of complete purity in its essence and conventions. Tamahang pakawantang abhipujayami tamahang pakawantang sirasanamami. I chant my praise to the Blessed One. I bow my head to the Blessed One. Andamayang dhamma bitutingaroma se. Now let us chant in praise of the dhamma. Yo so. So akado bhagavatadamo. The Dhamma is well expounded by the Blessed One. Sanditiko aparadiranao akaliko timeless ehipasiko. Encouraging investigation. Opanaiko, leading inwards, Bhajatangweditabo in Yuhi, to be experienced individually by the wise, Tamahang Damang Habibujayami Tamahangamami. I chant my praise to this teaching. I bow my head to this truth. Andamayang Sangha Bitutingaroma say. Now let us chant in praise of the Sangha. Yo so supati pano magavato savaka sango. They are the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well. Uchupatipano Bhagavato Savakasango Who have practiced directly. Nyayapatipano Bhagavato Savakasango Who have practiced insightfully. Sami Chipatipano Bhagavato Savakasango 
those who practice with integrity, Yadidang Chatari Purisayuka, Yadapurisapugala. That is the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. E Sabhagavato Sahavakasangho. These are the Blessed One's disciples. Ahunayo, such ones are worthy of gifts. Pahunayo, worthy of hospitality. Dakinayo, worthy of offerings. Anjali Karaniyo, worthy of respect. Anuttarang Bunyaketang Lokatsa. They give occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. Tamahang sangang abipu chayami tamahang sangang sirasa namami. I chant my praise to this sangha. I bow my head to this sangha. So, the recollecting Buddha Dhamma Sangha, so this you can take with you from the retreat just to use this as a reminder to contrast with the cultural conditioning, uh, the sense of yourself as a person. which is, you know, a strong, conditioned 
strong conditioning that we tend to operate from. So this can be used skillfully just to, as a reminder. Remember that sati is, is remembering, reminding here and now the way it is. Because we forget that and, and we forget here and now the way it is and we start operating from our personal feelings, memories, prejudices, biases, reacting to experience out of habit, praise, we're happy, blame, we're angry, and, and we have no way of observing this. We merely become this person with these problems. So then the Muddhadhamma-san, just remembering these three words, is a way of uh, training yourself to in the morning or wherever you are, you get, you get uh, the world, worldly habits, worldly conditions, crises, emergencies, urgencies of the world, the body, the society, easily delude us, take us over. And then just this simple remembering Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. So this is reminding ourselves of awareness, being the awakened consciousness, knowing the Dhamma, and developing that, the way of truth, the way of mindfulness. The supatipano, ujupatipano, yaya patipano, samiji patipano. And the patipano is one who's practicing doing it, not just one who believes in Buddhism. So many, many people assume that the Buddha taught Buddhism. <laughs> but he didn't, he taught Dhamma. <laughs> and there's a difference. Buddhism, uh, you know, is a generic term that includes almost a- anything that you want to label Buddhist. So Buddhism is a term, you know, this kind of includes anything, whether it's uh, Nichiren Buddhism, Soko Gakkai, Tibetan, modern versions, new takes on it, old traditions, because they are, it's all Buddhism. But Dhamma is this, you know, it's a Four Noble Truths, the way it is, the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, therefore there is the escape from the born, the created, the form, the conditioned. So just recognize the difference, let's say, between the word Buddhism and Dhamma. As personalities, as people, we have, we have our favorite forms of Buddhism. We like, maybe like Tibetan Buddhism or Zen Buddhism or Theravada or whatever, we have various views about how it should be, you know, about what we think is appropriate for modern life, uh, how we want to change Buddhism so it adapts itself to modern American values and ideas, and and we want to, uh, or we can become very, I think we have to be very orthodox, But when we take refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, then it's not, you know, my opinion, your opinion, and and uh, and the Buddhist uh, Nikayas, but it's Dhamma. Sapesankaranita, sapetama anatta. All conditions are impermanent. All Dhamma is not self. So this uh, 
makes it simple how to use these terms. To keep it straight, what is, you know, uh, Buddhism and what is Dhamma? Then my preferences, my views, my preferences for different Buddhist things and Buddhist traditions, that's not Dhamma, is it? But being aware of I, my preferences, seeing that, seeing that this is a perception, a preference, is like this, it's a condition arising, ceasing. That's the Dhamma of it. So in this way, it simplifies everything. It's not, you know, because the different forms of Buddhism and also get very complicated. <coughs> Opinions, views between of individuals uh, seem to clash or, you know, we've got strong views about what is the real Buddhism, the pure Buddhism, the original, the advanced, the primitive. But this, this is, you know, one can endlessly occupy one's life with trying to figure out which form of Buddhism is the best. But the actual, you know, the Buddha uh, knows Dhamma. So this is, this is not some kind of belief to grasp, you know, but, you know a, but to remind yourself to be awake. Bhutto tamo, the way it is, knowing the way it is, but not me. Ajahn Sumedho knowing all about Dhamma. It's Bhutto as a refuge, the awakened consciousness here and now. The body's like this. So I'm seeing the body in terms of Dhamma, you see. It's like this. So in just being aware of the experience, the reality of this body here sitting on this mat is like this. So I, I'm just using the body now as not as some personal property or as something to ignore, but to remember it's this way. It's it's not my body and and uh, and all the way that I personally, uh, you know, perceive myself, my appearance, my age, and on and on like that. It's not about whether it's a good body or bad body, but it's it's this. This is a, the reality of this body is now. It's like this. So I'm not looking at it. I I close my eyes and I can just feel reflecting the this experience, the reality of, of this body sitting like this. It's noticing, reflecting on it in terms of Dhamma. And there's the breath. Some, you know, you, many of you practice with the rise and fall of the abdomen or the Others on the inhaling, exhaling at the nostril. Doesn't matter, really. I mean, whatever you, you prefer, but just noticing in terms of Dhamma rather than which is the best way to do it. Or get confused about one teacher teaches the rise and fall, the other inhaling, exhaling. But in terms of vipassana, you're looking at it more into just the, the way it is. The, the, the breathing is natural condition, 
it's like this, inhaling it like this, exhaling like this. Then they uh, noticing the mental state. What kind of mood? Being puto, knowing the mood as dhamma rather than as uh, happy, sad, miserable, bright, sleepy, dull, my problem. How do I get rid of dullness? How do I make my mind bright and happy like I would like it to be? How do I get rid of all these developments? But in terms of puto tamo, it's like this, like this. Buddha knowing the way it is. So when we use this perception of the jitta, jittanupasana, or the, the mood, the mental state of this moment is like this. So it's this recognition. And so you're seeing it as as the condition changing rather than making it into, you know, uh, criticizing it or qualifying it in terms of your your way of seeing it as good mood, bad mood, or whatever. It's like this, the way it is. All conditions are impermanent. So good mood is impermanent, bad mood is impermanent. So it's not the quality is not the not the important issue is it it's it's like this sound of silence just awakening you know the background consciousness now the people are going to say ajahn tomato believes that sound of silence is consciousness but I'm not saying that. <clears throat> I'm not making any doctrinal statements. I'm just just recognizing that this, what I notice is and <clears throat> refer to as a sound of silence, has this continuity that I can rest in and be fully awake and aware. So I'm not making it into anything other than a functional expedient means. So this gives me this wide embracing way of seeing rather than uh, just, uh, you know, focusing on the body, then the breath, then the, then the mood. But the sound of silence embraces all three at the same moment. It's like this. So then, uh, uh, recognizing this, then you have perspective on, much better perspective on mood, the state of mind you're in, or the body or the breath, or, uh, you know, emotional states, sensory experiences, sensory impingements. Now this is the, the you know how to use a convention for awareness. 
you know, like the Pali Buddhism, uh, the style Theravada Buddhism, uh, Four Noble Truths, Paticca Samuppada, all these teachings in this particular uh, Pali form, how to use it for awareness, not for identity or attachment. And so we might attach to it or identify with it, but the more we trust in the awareness, dina, puto, tamo, sanko, then we, we see our own opinions about it. You know, by, I think it, it's better than Mahayana or uh, you know, whatever, you know, or I, you know, whatever you personally feel. And then, like Vajrayana Buddhists will say, this uh, Vajrayana is the advanced form. Theravada is only like for beginners. And, uh, you know, many of you have been practicing for decades, so you don't want to be a permanent beginner after <laughs> 30 years of practice. Well, these are opinions and views of various people with, you know, and Theravada has its own uh, strong views about Vajrayana and whatnot. So, I mean, it's, this is not the issue, but to see the Dhamma of it, you know, of, uh, when, when somebody tells you your way of practice is, is uh, only for beginners, how does that affect you? So then you're seeing the Dhamma of it. So a great uh, Vajrayana master tells you, oh, Theravada Buddhism is, uh, you know, it's kind of all right for if, you know, when you start out, but you have to go into, as you develop, you need more advanced techniques. And, and then you, what does that do? You know, so being the knowing, being the puto, knowing the Dhamma, or the emotional reaction, it'll always, you know, being intimidated by authority always is, helps you to see a form of sakya ditti, of clinging to our own conventions or our own views. Pope Benedict said one time that Buddhism was a form of auto-eroticism. <laughs> no, the reaction is laughter. Is it? <laughs> but that's an opinion, isn't it? That's, that's opinion. That's and then how does it affect you? You can be aware, it's like this. The Pope said, Buddhism is just nothing but a kind of form of autoeroticism. And then you, how does that affect you, your emotional reaction to that statement? It's like this. Being the puto knowing the Dhamma rather than the person, and say, oh, that Pope, he doesn't know what he's talking about.
Are the, uh, once you begin to recognize sound of silence, you know, the challenge then is to notice it wherever you are. You know, so it's not because we can, you know, in a quiet place like Spirit Rock, we, we think, well, here, you know, because there isn't a lot of noise and distraction, I can really get to it. But when I go back to San Francisco, and the noise and the activity and the responsibilities and all oh, like this. Uh, so this is, you know, this is a way of, of challenging this, this assumption because if you begin to notice that it's underlined behind everything, noise, confusion, war, everything. Here and now, apparent here and now, timeless. So this is you begin to notice. And as you, well then you, it'll, you, you know, you hear it wherever. Because you're, you're, you're uh, cultivating this so you're familiar, you're at ease, you trust it, rather than uh, trusting your own views about it or opinions and your own emotional reactions to, um, you know, living at home with your family or in uh, your workplace in the city. Like in uh, living in, no, when go when I go to London, you know, the, because where we we wear our robes all the time wherever we go. So when I first went to live in England, we lived in London for two years, and there, you know, your people start, you know, school children, schoolboys will look at you and laugh and make fun, jeer. They used to call us Harry Krishna. And then, uh, and then wherever you go, you know, people kind of look at you and you, you know, you have this feeling of wanting to, you wish you could, you know, take your robes off when you go into the city to look, you know, not stand out because it makes you feel self-conscious. And, you know, personally, I don't like to, I hate to be laughed at and singled out and pointed to and made fun of. Uh, you know, nightmare scenario for me personally. Always dreaded that, you know, to be, to everybody, you know, to be something that everyone jeers at. So, you know, there's a kind of a shyness and timidity of not really wanting to, to step out of the Vihara, kind of get, go into the city because, uh, you know, Actually, that they weren't. It wasn't that bad, you know. The nature of the English is they don't show, you know, publicly display their feelings. So usually they just pretend they don't notice you. <laughs> when I, but in other European countries, a very different reaction. In Belgium, they they start yelling at you and. Not. So I mean it, it, you know, insulting you verbally, but very seldom does that happen in England. But maybe mainly with uh, schoolboys, the nature of schoolboys. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, they they bring up this self-consciousness and and you know feeling, uh, you know very self-conscious wearing this, these robes and shaven head. So then how to, how to, you know, use this particular emotional problem I have for awareness. 
So this is where I cultivated this sound of silence in, in uh, walking through the streets of London. Because when I'm with this, resting in the sound of silence, the self-consciousness isn't any problem. It's when I forget that and I, you know, get caught in my personal habits of, you know, of and even projecting onto people all kinds of states, you know, negative states towards me. I can be, you know, I can imagine that they think I'm strange or a weirdo or or if somebody gives me a dirty look, I I can immediately, you know, maybe they're just, you know, something they ate for breakfast, but I <laughs> I can take it personally from the Sakyaditi level. <clears throat> so try it out, you know, and then this to uh, develop this, uh, this and, and it makes you fully alert. You know, you're not, you're not, you know, closing your eyes and, and plugging up your ears. Hear no evil, see no evil. It's, it's you're fully, you know, you're fully operative, more so than than when you're caught in your sakayaditi problems. So you can negotiate the London Underground and all the rest, and whatever happens better than than you can when you're full of me and mine and what do people think and worrying about being laughed at or whatever, then, you know, this, this, the, these creations of, uh, creations are, uh, drop away because we're fully aware. Conscious embraces everything. And then also you, you know, you feel a sense of when there is no self, when, when you're not caught up in the problems. when that, those delusions have kind of faded out and they're no longer your way of perceiving life, you begin to feel this sense of a blessing that this, you know, this a human being that's fully aware is, a bless, is blessing everything. You know, like you think of the, this, the historical Buddha, you know, just, you know, Gotama, the Buddha, uh, it was a blessing to the world. Because, not because he, he emphasized his personal qualities, but because he transcended them and left a, a teaching that still works, still usable, still very, you know, much needed at the present time. So then you feel like the robe, the monastic form is blessing, you know, it's a blessing to the world rather than, you know, a funny kind of eccentric way of presenting yourself in, in uh, Western country. <laughs> So, I mean, this is, these are my own reflections, how I've dealt with uh, living within, you know, a form, tradition, in a non-Buddhist country. So that the, the relinquishment of self is a relief, you know, and it's because it is a plague, even, you know, it, it, even if I should be able to wear jeans and sweatshirts. The self, the the Sakiri still be operative, wouldn't it? It'd be something, you know. And now I'm an old, look at that old bogey, you know. (laughs) There's always something you can make a, you know, use to support this personal sense of personal identity. 
So, I mean, if we can use the robe for that too, but the point of uh, monastic form is for mindfulness, not for identity. Then, say, at Amravati Monastery in England, you see they have a, they eat this in this very formal style in our alms bowls. And then, then uh, so, you know, when you're the set focus of everybody's attention, being the, the head monk, the teacher, you know, every day when you go into the refectory, you know, on the Sakyaditi level, everybody's looking at me. So, and then this is, you know, this is for 40 years now. <laughs> it wasn't always. Even in Thailand, you know, as the first Western monk uh, with Ajahn Chah, so I was much taller than the others. So after Ajahn Chah, I'd get all the attention. So this sense of being, you know, uh, on a Sakyaditi level, uh, feeling everybody is uh, wants something from me, wants my attention, is uh, I have to give something to them. There's this, the Sakyaditi starts operating in in this uh, sense of. Uh, here I am, the senior might expect me to smile at them or to, to greet them or welcome like a host every day, every meal. They want, you know, I've got to, you know, conduct myself properly so not to upset them or uh, offend, to support and dutifully support and not let down the tradition and all like this. So the Sakya Ditti can be a real you know, burdensome thing to have if I identify myself with the role, with the convention, and, and hold to the belief in my own emotional reactions, my personal reactions to, to this situation. So then in living uh, at Amravati, I've, I've used this sound of silence a lot just to there's a reminder to not create myself. No, it's fine, you know, I'm perfectly happy, you know, I don't make problems about it. <laughs> and so it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's because of the mindfulness, you know, the reminder, puto tamo sanko. And using everything in my own, you know, flaws and ego and fears and and personal hang-ups for mindfulness. To see them in terms of dhamma rather than uh, identified with, you know, my problems. So even, you know, like this self-consciousness or the resentment of feeling burdened by the position uh, projecting onto people all kinds of my views about they want something from me or I have to do something for them, this, this, this kind of reaction, I can see in terms of Dhamma. It is what it is. doesn't mean that I, ne the, I, I never anymore, I'm way beyond all that now, but I know what it is. And my reference my, my refuge is in sound of silence, being in this state of total awareness where the self no longer can hook me. My own personal uh, feelings, they, don't, they can't get hold of me or hook me 
Or if they do, they, it's hard for, you know, I can see through it very quickly. So these are just, you know, ways that I've dealt with, uh, you know, the, the Sakya Ditti, Tilabhata Paramasa Vichikicha, uh, that I found, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, gives you a, it has given me a confidence in this practice because it works. And so I can, I don't have to run away from responsibilities or disrobe or do anything, but uh, you know, other than just use the the way it is for awareness. So even the irritations of living in in a community, uh, the problems that arise, the and all that is, is part of being mindful, you know. So we're we're not not making demands on, or or whinging when things don't go the way you want them to. It's like using everything, just the the praise, the blame, the successes and failures. So Ajahn Chah, you know, made this very clear. You know, I don't know how many of his talks were about what they call the eight worldly dhammas. And they are, you know, they, um, success and failure, um, having, uh, being, uh, you know, respected in a posi- important position or being despised, um, Pray, being praised and, or being blamed, happiness and suffering. So there's four positive and their opposites, the negative, they're called the eight worldly dhammas, the loka dhamma, eight loka dhammas. And, and there's a, <clears throat> so then you can fit all the worldly things into these eight categories. Now, on the worldly level, you know, the worldly level, we, we want uh, success, to be respected and appreciated, to uh, be um, praised, and, uh, and, to, and, and we want happiness. And what we dread is, on the worldly level, is its opposite. Poverty, humiliation, Blame, criticism, misery, isn't it? So I mean, these are uh, the you know on the ego level, we want the good side and we don't want the bad side. So then, uh, uh, Ajahn Chah say these eight worldly dhammas, he said, are equal value, both sides. You know, the praise is uh, and the blame of equal value. So this kept. I kept remembering this, uh, you know, uh, through my monastic life. <laughs> it was very interesting. Uh, success or failure. You know how much uh, in America we, we worship success and dread failure. So you, you know, you, uh, you know, you think, I want to be a successful monk, a uh, successful teacher, uh, successful at spreading the Dhamma in, in Europe. I want to, you know, lots of, uh, you know, people ordaining, uh, spreading branch monasteries, uh, you know, pe- lot of people attending 
and being inspired and wakening to the real Dhamma and I want to be, you know, a success at this. And then other times you feel like you're a total failure. Because even after so many successes that, that you can't sustain it and then people get disillusioned and all kinds of rumors go around and, and then you think, oh, why am I wasting my time? I'm a failure. So then they've seen this failure, success of equal value, praise and blame of equal value. So this is where, you know, the, with the sound of silence you can observe when you feel, I'm fed up, I've had enough. Is like this. Or I'm, you know, you begin to see your own altruism, like I really want to devote my life to teaching the Dhamma and bringing uh, Dhamma, Buddhism into the lives of the Americans, uh, you know, to be a great teacher and do all these wonderful things, not for any selfish reason, of course, but <laughs> it's all altruism. And you begin, <laughs> begin to see this also. And even when it does happen, even if everybody's saying how successful you are, and your ego is, is congratulating yourself, this awareness of it. That's the Buddha Dhamma, not, not me being a success or being a failure. And they, so these are, notice that this, this awareness, the gate to the deathless, this uh, point that includes everything, puts everything into perspective. So, you know, you're no, no longer, you know, working just with attachment to altruistic goals. Even though that's, that's good, you know, but that also, if it's done out of ignorance of the truth of the way it is, can be very disillusioning. Then uh, just you know, the way you might see yourself is not good enough or adequate or inferior or, you know, you're, you'll never be, a, you're not a really good meditator or you're, you know, the, the way that you create yourself as some kind of failure as a person, as a mother and father, as a Buddhist, as a meditator, or whatever, is like this. You know, the sense of I can't do it, I'm not good enough, is like this. And that awareness of that, that awareness, you begin to see, this is, this is the, my refuge, this awareness, not that feeling, I, you know, I can't do it, I'm a failure. You, you know, you see it, but you no longer believe in it. It's not what you attach to and, and perceive your experience through, that sense of I'm a failure, or that I'm a success. So then in, in uh, you know, I've used this sound of silence I, I, because I travel a lot, uh, go to airports and have to wait in queues and <laughs> I've used it for all kinds of waiting, waiting in a queue. You know, when you're at the end of a long line and that kind of, uh, kind of I get kind of, you know, I start, this queue is not moving. <laughs> and I look at the others and think, that one, I should have gone into that one. <laughs> and maybe somebody's, 
you know, taking a lot of time and I feel annoyed with them. Or. So this is, uh, you know, using this sound of silence and waiting to kill, I use that. So I'm aware, you know, I'm not just trying to suppress restlessness or grin and bear it uh, attitudes of just putting up with this annoying um, thing after, you know, to get through the line, you have to do this anyway, so just be patient, bear with it. But actually use the situation. So everything, you know, the most banal uh, things that you do in daily life are irritating, perfunctory things that you tend to just do to, to get out of the way beca become the path. Or developing the path. So this is, you know, emphasis of this retreat on this awareness because it is you, you know, the, the real challenge is integrating it into your ordinary life. <coughs> so if you think you can only be mindful at Spirit Rock under the ideal conditions, be aware of that is, you know, I can't be mindful at home, but I can when I've been on a retreat at Spirit Rock, is like this. You know, I, I'm, you know, I can't do this at home with my family or at the office, but, so I have to go on another retreat. It's like this, you know, this is, you know, that thing, not criticizing you for thinking that, but using that maybe that emotional reaction for awareness. It's all then it becomes everything becomes the path, the way of mindfulness. So it's not about holding to the view that you you should practice at home and not become a retreat addict. You can see some people just are retreat addicts. They're always going from one retreat to another. <laughs> they can't face the real world, and they, you know, and uh, so. But I'm going to develop mindfulness in daily life. I don't need to go on any more retreat. That's still opinion, isn't it? So you be aware of that, of your own uh, views that form around meditation. They're like this feeling, you know, I'm. I'm not going to be a retreat addict is like this. In the sense of, you know, I'm I'm better than you are. If you if I think you're a retreat addict, I'm not. I'm <laughs> show you that <laughs> But retreats, you know, because they are on offer, you know, they encourage, but because they do, you know, they're they're special conditions and that, but, you know, if there's no retreat, then we do, you know, we, we, it doesn't stop us from being mindful, but these are available now, so they're, how to use them, not for addictions or identities, but for mindfulness, how to see your own, the way you, you, the opinion, the, the sense of yourself about meditation retreats. And it's all grist for the mill. Perfect. 
perfectly enlightened and blessed one, Buddhang Bhagavantang Abhivadehmi. I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one. Sawakato Bhagavata Dhammo The teaching so completely explained by him Tamangamasami I bow to the Dhamma Supatipanno Bhagavato Savaka Sangho The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well Sangang Namami I bow to the Sangha